Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The injustice surrounding the shooting death of Latasha Harlins at the South Central Los Angeles store became a flashpoint for this L.A.'s uh, 1992 civil uprising. As the Black community expressed its profound pain in the streets, Latasha's family and friends privately mourned the loss of a vibrant child whose full story was never in the headlines. Three decades later, director Sophia Nally Allison's A Love Song for Latasha removes Latasha from the context of her death and rebuilds an archive of a promising life lost. And with that, I'd like to introduce to the show the director of this Oscar-nominated documentary film, Sophia Nali Allison. Welcome to Film School Radio. Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. As I mentioned to you before we started, I'm, I was around for this, and I remember just how, how sad the, the, the circumstances were surrounding this the event of the of the uprising in 1992 but latasha was completely lost in all of the stories i remember the the outrage over the verdict involving the korean woman who was uh, part part owner of the store but latasha's story was completely lost and so thank you for restoring not only her as a presence but also providing a context for so much more Thank you. I really appreciate those words, Mike. Thank you so much. What inspired you to do this? You know what? I am a native of South Central Los Angeles. I was born and raised there. Um, I was a young girl when the LA riots happened. And so for myself, I always associated the riots with Rodney King. And it wasn't until adulthood that I began to understand more of Latasha's um, story, understand more of how she actually was this catalyst for the uprising. And as a black woman, I really wanted to make sure this story was not erased, that she was remembered in her fullness. Every time I would try to Google or do research on Latasha, not that much information comes up. It's always, you know, her story is always centered around those final moments, that death, that trauma. And I really wanted to interrogate the archive. I wanted to reimagine the archive and allow Latasha to live within her fullness. I didn't want this story of this young black girl to just be forgotten. And, you know, her story would not be forgotten her family, her friends, community. They remember Latasha, they say her name, but I wanted to make sure that we globally had something tangible that we can return to, to know who Latasha was, that her death was not in vain, that she was remembered as a young girl, you know, so often black girls, they're adultified. They're seen as older than they are. They are seen as threats, as violent. And Latasha, you know, what was an innocent child? She was a young girl with hopes and dreams. And I wanted to make sure that we um, rebirth that story, rebirth a fuller narrative for who she was. Who did you approach or how did you approach the family, the friends? How did you get to know them? And what was that process like? So I sent a Facebook message actually to Shanice Harlins, her cousin, and to Ty B. Obar, Latasha's best friend. And in the message, I was very transparent uh, with them about what I wanted to do, that I wanted to create 
a short experimental documentary that allows Latasha to be seen in the fullness of her life rather than, you know, a story that is just centered on her death. And I let them both know the only way I would work on this is if I had their consent and if they were a part of it, I would not pursue this project if it's something that they did not want to be a part of because I also wanted to recognize and hold space for, you know, when we're asking people to to share these stories with us, they're having to revisit a memory that it's traumatic. They're having to revisit a part of their history that could be triggering. So making sure that there was care in that entire process and that they were willing to go on that journey with me. And a couple of weeks after approaching Shanice, she agreed to it. And then maybe a month or two after approaching Ty, she agreed to it. And that was the beginning of a sisterhood. You know, I look at them as big sisters. I really love them, respect them, deeply admire them. Uh, I'm so inspired by how they They've continued to keep Latasha's story close to them, how they've continued to remember her and just feel really grateful that they wanted to be a part of this journey of us working to, you know, rebirth this archive, reimagine this archive. And I was also transparent with them about my own experiences and why this story was important for me. When I was 15, I was going through a lot of upheaval in my life. My mom had just recovered from breast cancer and my dad passed away when I was 15. And so we moved from South Central to Illinois after that period. And so for me, I've always connected the age 15 and black girlhood, being 15, being in South Central, having my life completely flipped upside down. That's something I've always wanted to revisit. What does it mean for black girlhood to be disrupted at that age? And so since I was 15, I knew this was a story I always wanted to return to. I just didn't know I would do it through Latasha's story, through Ty and Shanice's story. But for me, 15 has always been a really important year within black girlhood and wanting to explore how we we still create this, you know, sacred world around ourselves, this secret language for ourselves while we're still experiencing socio-political upheaval and um, just personal things happening in our lives that can be disruptive. Did you always, did you imagine them being in the film initially? How, how did meeting them change the trajectory of the film? So I knew I always wanted it to be experimental in the sense that we're having to rebuild this archive visually. You know, the only archival material that you see in the film are pictures of Latasha on her yearbook. Everything else has been completely reimagined and created for the film. And so I was really intrigued by what does it mean to build an archive when documentary relies so much on that tangible factual evidence that we can, that is there for us, that's presented to us. But what happens when the stories of black women and black girls don't always have that tangible evidence? You know, black folks were so rooted in the in the practice of oral history. And so Latasha exists as this oral history, as this memory. And I knew I wanted them to be seen later in the film, but I wanted the majority of the film to revolve around this image of Black girlhood, to make sure that we never forget that Latasha was a young girl, that she was 15 years old. And I almost did not include Ty and Shanice, their image in the final film. I was showing a cut to a dear friend of mine, and she said, I want to see them now. I've gone through this journey with them as children. I want to see who they are as adults now. And so it wasn't until maybe like year two that I decided to put their image 
in the final cut for us to see that these two young girls have grown into these women that still continue to you know move forward in their goals and their dreams still hold Latasha close but wanting us to understand these are who these women have grown up to be. We've seen, you know, I've rebuilt this archive as much as I can. And now let me show you the two women whose stories and memories we just had the, the honor of traveling through. And I do want to talk about that more specifically about what Latasha had in mind for her life moving forward. But before I do that, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Sophia Nally Allison, and she is the director of a, a documentary film called A Love Song for Latasha. And it's been nominated for an Oscar in the short form category. Um, in the film, we get to know of her, of Latasha's dreams, what she wanted, what she hoped for in conjunction with her relationship with her friends, what she envisioned for not only herself, but for, in some ways, for her community moving forward, uh, which is a beautiful part of the film. I mean, just a beautiful thing to know and to, to kind of flesh out her as a person. Yeah. So, um, you know, Latasha wanted to be a lawyer primarily because her mother's death, her mother was murdered and her wanting to fight for justice, her wanting to get that justice for her mom. And so that was what inspired her and motivated her to want to be a lawyer. She also really wanted to create community centers within, you know, South Central. She wanted young folks to have a place to go. And what's so beautiful about the uh, aspirations of Latasha is Ty and Shanice have continued to hold those close to them. They right now are creating their own organization for youth in South Central called Tall Images for Young People. Uh, they just made it so that the park where they all played as children will be renamed the Latasha Harlan's Playground. And Ty, if you remember at the end of the film, she mentions if Latasha were still here, uh, Ty would have pursued her, her dreams. Um, and she actually has gone back to school to complete her degree in criminal justice. So it's been really interesting to watch and to understand um, how time is very nonlinear. Within the film, it's nonlinear. Within just our present day, it's nonlinear of, you know, people would see these as dreams deferred, but they, they were never deferred. These dreams were always here. They were always going to be manifested. And Ty and Shanice are at that point in their lives where they're ready to move forward with that. And so Latasha deeply imprinted those goals into both of them. And we see that it's been manifested within the last couple of years. And, and this year, everything is really moving in motion for them to, to complete those desires of Latasha and, and, and for themselves. And there's a mural um, in- Yes, okay. yes. Um, so something that's so exciting, at the beginning of working on this film, I began the film in 2017 and something that I used to talk about with my creative producer, Janice Duncan, and my producer, Famu Dorji, is how do we activate South Central? How do we really make sure that this film deeply impacts the community and it's not something that never engages with the community. I always wanted to reactivate the community. Our team at Netflix, you know, spearheaded by Liv Moore asked, what is, you know, what are your dreams that you have for this? Nothing's too big. And I was like, I've always wanted you know, we would love to see a mural in South Central. And they worked so hard 
for us to have this created, you know, just all the, the loops they had to jump through. Um, and we had the artist Victoria Casanova create this beautiful image of Latasha with a part of her poem right at the front of the recreational center where Ty, Shanice and Latasha used to play as children. And the mural, we debuted it on Latasha's 45th birthday, which was January 1st, uh, 2021. She would have been 45 this year. And it's just so amazing to realize 30 years later, Latasha's name, her face has to be remembered Something that was really interesting that we were noticing myself and Janice when we were filming in the, in the community, the older generation really rem remembers Latasha, but the newer generation just kind of knows parts of the stories. They don't really know her name. We would meet young people at the park or in the neighborhood and ask them if they knew who Latasha was. Some of them would say no. Some of them just knew details of the orange juice and the young black girl. And so now we're making sure that this continues to be an intergenerational conversation that people in South Central continue to say her name, continue to remember her. And I'm just so grateful for the work Victoria did with this mural. She was so intentional with the colors, so intentional with the wording. Something I love is that she put the quote, we queens next to the image because she said, I wanted young black girls that are coming in and out of the community center to see that, to remember that they're queens. And so it's truly been such a remarkable journey, the support we've had with Netflix for us to continue to activate the community and make sure that all the work we're doing returns to South Central, returns to the people who really remember this, returns to the Harlan's family. And you've mentioned it a couple of times. Thank you for that. And, yeah. and uh, you've mentioned it a couple of times, and I think it's an, in addition to being this incredible story and giving context to all of these things that went on during that period of time and in her life, the film is told in this beautiful way. And you're the, also the cinematographer in the film, and it just looks fantastic. You use uh, some very interesting, what I would call cinematic devices it, to Thank tell you. the story. And so it just makes for a thoroughly enjoyable watch in addition to so many other reasons to, to see this a love song for Latasha. But um, tell me about this uh, device you use uh, where for the first few minutes of the film, things are moving in reverse or some part, I, I'm sort of over explaining it here, but you use some techniques here to, to help us understand her story better. Yes, I really wanted a love song for Latasha to feel like we're traveling through memories, we're moving through time, we're trying to rebuild what may seem lost, we're working through trauma and in healing that sometimes details are not always exactly as they were in the moment. And so I wanted to play with how are we wanting to turn back the clock? How are we wanting to revisit these, these moments? Um, and so there are moments in the beginning, as you mentioned, where you see the waves moving backwards or the water on the young girl, instead of falling into her, it's removing, moving away from her or a tear rolls back up into the eye. And, and so I really wanted to explore through memories and dreams, how time is very nonlinear, how trauma can deeply affect the memory, how we are always trying to revisit these moments. 
and what happens when we're moving through this sacred space. You know, I, I really, I look at a love song for Latasha as a spiritual archive, as we are being invited into this intimate world with Ty and Shanice. They've kept these memories very sacred. They've kept them close to them. This is the first time Ty has really become public about everything that she experienced as a young girl. And so I, I just wanted, as the editor and the cinematographer, to always feel like we're moving through this archive. We're being conjured into these new parts. So, you know, we can't hold on for too long in some of these moments. These are, these are fleeting memories. These are memories that we revisit, that return to us that move away, that the details change. And so exploring and deconstructing, you know, a very linear and Western um, understanding of time was really important for me throughout the film. And you and many other filmmakers that I see this film, the show tends to lean heavily into the documentary world. And so I see a lot of documentaries over the course of the year and increasingly, and I, I go back to Errol Morris with Thin Blue Line in beginning, sort of beginning this idea of telling the story uh, when the resources are not there to be able to tell it documented in real time. Yeah, Sort of started that as, with reenactments. And I, what I see here is what they call hybrid film in some ways it is, but in another way, it's really about capturing the essence of the story. It's really, that's really in service to the story. Mm -hmm. And I yes. just think it was, it's so beautiful to look at. And it's particularly uh, struck by the uh, the shot um, of the uh, the wildflowers around oh, the yellow. Thank you. Yeah, around that was one of the first my first days filming. Is that right? Uh, yes, uh, that is the sweetest young girl, Zoe. I'm I'm so grateful to her family. I was with Zoe and her mom, Y Michelle, and we were just at the beach. These beautiful flowers, and I knew I needed this image to be the one that like held black girls throughout this moment. It's thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. The I film, appreciate this. Yeah. Well, again, the film a Love Song for Latasha is an Oscar nominated film. But before I let you go, I've got one quick question or a couple, actually. One is uh, the reaction of Ty and Shanice uh, when they heard the news. And I don't know if you were with them when all this happened, but just uh, what was your reaction? What was theirs? <laughs> It was so early when the announcement came. I think it was like 5 or 4 a.m. L.A. time. Um, and they were completely overwhelmed by emotion. Shanice especially. Shanice has, had watched her mom, Denise Harlins, fight for justice for um, Latasha Harlins for years. Uh, Denise, uh, Shanice's mom, Latasha's aunt, Denise passed on Christmas Day in 2018. So it means a lot to Shanice to see that the momentum regarding making sure people are saying Latasha's name, remembering her story is stronger now than ever. You know, the Harlan's family, everyone is just so overjoyed. You know, 30 years later, we're seeing Latasha be remembered in a whole new context in a completely different way. Ty is so excited. She's still trying to process everything. You know, I approached them both in 2017 and none of us could have imagined this is where we would be in 2021. Um, and for me, it just means, it means so much to me to see Latasha acknowledged in this way, to see her remembered in this way. And for me, I just wanted to inspire other young black girls, black women working and fighting to tell their stories, to reclaim the agency in, in like 
um, excavating their own personal archives and rebuilding their stories and not letting anyone else take that away from them. So we're all still just deep in the emotions of, of processing what this means for Latasha, what this means for Ty and Shanice, um, and what this means for the community to see a young Black girl elevated to this level and, and remembered in such a high regard. That's fantastic. And in a few weeks, tens of millions of people will hear <laughs> a, a love song for Latasha and, and, and hopefully look into it and find it and watch it. It's on Netflix now. Congratulations. You mentioned Netflix earlier and congratulations to them and uh, for all of their work in supporting uh, filmmakers. It's been, an they have been amazing. They've been so phenomenal. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine a better team uh, to work with on this project. Right. And uh, a love song for Latasha is currently on the top line. If you go to Netflix, <laughs> it's there for you to, 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 to check out and uh, all the best to you uh, moving forward. Thank you. Thank you so you much, Mike. Thank you. I hope you come back. when. when oh, when I'd love to. Time. It was such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Again, we've been yeah. speaking with Sophia Nali Allison, and she is the director, producer. Uh, you're a producer as well, right? Writer, Pro editor. Producer, editor, and cinematographer. cinematographer. <laughs> Thank you so very much for being here today, Allison. Thank you so much, Mike. Have a Thanks. wonderful day. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music